When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And that's a wrap for All-Star Weekend from Cleveland, Ohio, which means we are set to start the finish line, the race to the finish line, the NBA season. How exciting, how exciting. But it was a great time here in the land in Ohio, even though it was probably about 10 degrees for two days. And then, of course, the way that Northeast Ohio weather works gets right up to 50 on All-Star Sunday. But I heard some good things. I was talking to a lot of people around the league. I was talking to some players. They thought it was a good host city. So I'll take that, being a Cleveland, Ohio resident, born and raised myself. So we'll get into some of All-Star Weekend. We'll some get into some comments made by some notable players, some news nuggets that dropped oh so uh, coincidentally <laughs> as this weekend began. But it's your boys, keeping it 94, Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Another episode brought to you courtesy of the basketballnews.com podcast network powered by Ticket Smarter and Prize Picks. B, what's going on, man? We don't have NBA basketball for a couple of days still. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. That means I can get get caught up on some laundry and I can uh, do some things around the house, right? Yeah, you need to get caught up on a couple of things. Plus, you've got to recover from All-Star Weekend, from all the festivities that you took uh, a part in, all the different parties and hanging out with everybody and um, all the fun that you had while trying to stay warm there in Cleveland and welcoming in everybody from around the country. Yeah, I think if if I was to sum, like put in a summation for having it in your home city, it's a little bit more difficult because everybody's in hotels, everybody's downtown. And in addition to the weather being the way it was, there were a lot of streets that were closed down. So it's kind of hard to drive up there and leave your car overnight. You're going to have to take Uber after Uber after Uber, which is what I did to meet up with, you know, colleagues and friends and players for whatever interviews you get done and go to the pop-up shops. I'm lucky that I have the greatest friends in the world. They live in Lakewood, which is about 10 minutes outside of Cleveland. I'm in Parma Heights, which is about 20 to 25 minutes outside of Cleveland. I stayed with them for the weekend. So that was essentially my faux pas hotel, uh, so to speak. So I was able to take some cheaper Ubers downtown. But I mean, there was madness, man. The traffic was insane. Um, But at the same time, I I just love the, the energy around the city. Again, I was saying in the intro, there were nothing but good things to be said about the way that we hosted it. I know everybody hates bad weather. I get that. And I'm going to get in on a little tiny, tiny tangent here. All-Star Weekends in New York, All-Star Weekends in Chicago, All-Star Weekends in Boston, All-Star Weekends in 
Detroit, whatever place. There's going to be a Utah next year. Or, uh, next year, it's going to be in Indianapolis. Weather in the winter is like this, okay? I, you don't got to like it, but you can't act surprised. <laughs> like, it, it's, it just baffles me how people think that only bad weather happens in Cleveland. And uh, we get kind of picked on like the little brother of a lot of things. <laughs> and it's just funny to me because it happens everywhere. It's freaking February, guys. Now it, it now, does get cold I, around the country and more than just Cleveland. Yes, that's what I'm. Well, I'm trying to say that. I'm also trying to say, well, one, it was 55 degrees on that prior Thursday going into All Star Weekend. That's just so flat out hot course. for this time of year. Yeah, and of course that happens before Friday and Saturday when the mainstream media gets in and gets to complain and think that. They're hot shit because they're all into this, these nice temperature weathers, and I get it. I would love to be that too, um, but it's it, they just act pretentious, and I freaking hate it. Um, I can't tell. Second of all, I can't tell at all. I, I do. I hate it because there's some other people that are you know mature and like don't have to talk down on other cities and all that stuff. As a proud Clevelander, I do take exception to that. But I understand the complaints with the weather. That's fine. But when they, when you take it to the city, that's when it gets a little tugging at at the uh, the strings here. But uh, that Sunday, like I said, it turned into like 50 to 55 degrees. I was walking all around town. I was walking all around town all weekend. I just did not want to walk around town that much on Friday and Saturday because it was blistering. Uh, I will say it was not as cold as Chicago in 2022. Yeah, you didn't hear a freaking peep about that. Uh, but at the same time, pop-up shops everywhere. A lot of cool events. Uh, that's the best part about All-Star Weekend, I think, too, is that the fans get to access these athletes on a different level, right? You're allowed to access the athletes and, and interact with the athletes on a ground level. When you go to a, a basketball game, unless you're like in the first row or if you're in the, you know, uh, the really, really expensive courtside seats, you don't really get to talk to these guys or unless you pay for VIP access, you know, all that stuff. But like these sponsored events are perfect for this. Like, not only do you get the the meet and greet, but you just walk around town during All-Star, no matter where it's at. And you just get to see a bunch of these athletes, uh, past and present, they're just chilling. Like, you could go inside of a, you know, a hotel lobby, walk by and boom, there's Jerry West. Or, oh, there's, you know, uh, uh, Oscar Robertson. Like, that's cool. You go into a local bar and you just see Dikembe Mutombo sitting down. Um, you know, having one of his, his sponsored coffees. Uh, Does he give you the finger if you try to approach him? He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, I did try the Mutambo coffee, by the way. It was very delicious. So uh, that was at the, the Retired Players Association Legends Lounge. But I digress. The, the, the vibe around it, though, and the, the interaction that they can have with the fans that enjoy basketball, and that's what's so great about this game. And you saw it in the ceremonies on Sunday during halftime. Is just... What this game of basketball has done, man, like, it, it's a whole nother level. Like, Cleveland got the 50th anniversary in 97. They got the 75th anniversary here in 2022. I guess the, uh, the, the suggestion and the opinion is that Cleveland will get the 100th game, too. Uh, but that obviously depends on logistics and whatnot. At the same time, it, it, was, just, it was just very fun, and uh, you get to see another side of these guys. Uh, and fans get to see another side of these guys too. So that that's the fun part about All Star Weekend, um, and and you just kind of get to be 
they're at ease at All Star Weekend, I guess. Like players are definitely at ease, and they're they're more laid back. They're they're able to show their personalities. Whatever's going on with their teams, they're just leaving it like kind of. Uh, in behind for one weekend, kind of just forgetting everything. You see grudges that being held by some of these athletes with one another, like the big three with the Celtics. You saw they took a picture together. You know, like it's that kind of cool stuff. And this particular 75th anniversary occasion can do uh, for for just everybody that just loves this game, appreciates their predecessors, and uh, shows respects to the legends and the, the people that re- laid the groundwork for this to be able to be possible. And on this particular weekend, one of the really cool things, obviously, with the 75-year anniversary and the team is what they did at halftime during the actual game. And and we could talk about the whole weekend and all the different things that happened, but being the big occasion that it was and the way that they put that together, it it was really special to just see not only these great players all come together, but just kind of the um, how much everybody, even their other players right now in the league, how much they really appreciate them. I think there's a lot of players right now that do take the time to get to know the people that came before them, or at least respect them, even if they don't know, you know, all the numbers and all the stats and maybe all of the impact that certain guys had on the game. I think there are quite a few that do though, but to see the festivities and just see how much appreciation from the current players right now and just how much of a brotherhood that kind of is. Um, everybody coming together on that stage was was special. Yeah, it was definitely something special and something I'll never forget, like just seeing like all of, of these people congregating and, you know, whatever issues they may have had, whatever, you know, kind of, you know, drama that may have arisen between them at any point, if that, you know, was the case. Like it was just all squashed. Like the beef was squashed and Everybody was in one place at one time, just appreciating um, everything that they've accomplished and every, everything and everybody that came before them uh, to make it all, you know, a reality. You know, like it's just seems like a dream scenario just to see this kind of event come together. Um, but for it to be in, in you know, in, in my city, it's just as as a, a resident and as a huge basketball fan, not Spencer Davies, the media personality, but just Spencer Davies, the the, the the fan and the basketball enthusiast it just like it just hits you man it's just like wow this is here and um, you know I'm just very lucky to be a part of it to be around you know these festivities and whatnot so um, it was very cool and to see you know the Cavs get represented the way that they were too uh, over the weekend and I'm sure that you're gonna want to say some stuff about All Star Saturday night but Rising Stars was really fun God that was a great uh, I love that format with the the three teams and then the two teams meeting the championship. That was really cool. I liked that a lot. All-Star Saturday was great up until, you know what. <laughs> but, Here's the thing, though. Uh, I mean, they do a lot of great things in All-Star Weekend, and there's a lot of fun things that, that happen. And, and, you know, some things are not going to be for everybody, but I think of, for the most part, the NBA does it right. I think the, the things that I look at when it comes to All-Star Weekend that I think the NBA needs to take a hard look at are – They've already made tweaks to the game itself, to the big all-star game. But I wonder if there's something more they can do or if people are happy with seeing the game the way it's played out because it's, obviously it's not competitive until the final you know, few minutes of it. And the other thing is, obviously, is what turned out to be a mess again this year, and that is the dunk contest. And I will be honest with you, I was watching that night. I watched the three-point shootout because I love that. I watched the skills. 
I did not watch the dunk contest. I had a feeling it was going to be a train wreck. It has been. And I was just like, I'm not going to do it. And if there's something that happens, I'll watch it back later. And it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, I did see the highlights back the next day. And I was just like, that was more than enough than what I needed. And that's something I think the, the league has to take a hard look at and say, what are we doing here? And do we really need the dunk contest? I personally, I would say do not do the dunk contest every year. I'd break it out maybe every four or five years. So that get way, some real name, get some real big names in there. Get the big and, names, yeah. get people desensitized a little bit to what we've seen in the past with some of these dunks because so much has already been done. It's hard to top it. So you don't want to really s- hard to be original. There's it no is. question. Like unless you're like changing the height of the rim or if you're I don't know, changing the rules or like putting like, you know, pieces of art or something on the the court. Like, it's if he so doesn't hard make this jump, he's gonna go right through the Mona Lisa. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or like putting putting a hole or something like uh, in the floor so that they fall if they don't make a dunk or something. Well, like, I like it, the idea of that. That's pretty good, man. <laughs> That's pretty good. But I mean, like, but I mean, because the whole thing was like everybody kept missing dunks and they got do overs, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in the past, they used to not do that either. It's something that they've tweaked. You know, I I love the three-point shootout. It's fantastic. I still love the original scoring. I don't like the idea that you could put, you know, all the money balls on one rack and they have the Mountain Dew ball. And I get it because of sponsorship and things are going to be tweaked. I still love the original formula where you have a rack of five balls. The fifth one is the money ball. And that way you can kind of compare yourself even with guys that did the contest, you know, 30 years ago and see who has the best because now you can score more points on it. But, um, but other than that, I mean, that's, that's just a personal thing, but watch those guys go out there and shoot. It's fantastic to watch with the dunk contest. I feel like it, I don't know what you can do to really impress me at this point. And that's why I wonder if I wouldn't say totally get rid of it, but, I would say don't do it every year and make it a special attraction to where people do get excited about it. And hopefully you can attract the bigger names and the bigger dunkers, uh, you know, when you actually do pull it out. Sure, sure. And, you know, I thought that 2020 had a good dunk contest, you know, the one that people thought that um, Zach Levine got robbed of against Derek Jones Jr. Remember, it wasn't all that long ago, too, where Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine were setting the world on fire so maybe you know you just wait for the right participants to say yes like people are begging for Ja Morant to be in there you know like especially after you know the show he put on maybe DeJounte Murray could get in there or something like that like some of these young and up and coming notable names that just might not be on the level of you know that that LeBron echelon but kind of on the cusp of getting to that star level or like are just starting at that star level. But would you so be more interested because of what the dunk contest has become and, and it's kind of a mess right now, but would you be more interested in seeing something like, like my suggestion I put on our outlet was like a horse competition or I, I don't know what else I could do, but something along those lines, because that's more of a, a one-on-one thing and you could see the creativity in the shot making at that point. Horse competition, definitely. We've done that uh, before, so I'm all in on that. Maybe they can make the le- the letters longer, too, or something, um, so that it's just not five shots. Uh, 
like I, I see you have you know suggestions for two on two and three on three on here. I would say yes, but I think it would also be like the All Star game where it wouldn't be exactly competitive, <laughs> right? Um, unless you know it was somebody that had something to prove. Like that's what I liked about Rising Stars. I feel like Rising Stars. There were some guys in that like tier that wanted to prove something. Oh, definitely. Even though the game didn't definitely. mean anything. Sean Tate, perfect example. It was like scrapping on the floor for every loose ball and playing defense. It was awesome. I loved watching that. Uh, you know, you saw the same thing too at the end of uh, each quarter in the All-Star uh, game, like where each game's a mini game. I think that's a brilliant idea uh, because then each of the end of the quarters, they're going to tighten up and try to win that money for their respective charities. And then as you saw at the end of the fourth quarter, things got a little tighter. Guys were going for steals. There was a little bit of ball pressure. There's ways to find out how to do it. There are, but I mean, up until, especially at the end of the game, it's, you know, it, it's got to be to your taste from the standpoint, like, are you okay with there being no defense? Are you okay with guys just kind of uh, stepping out of the way to allow somebody to do a dunk? And then that's what some people want to see, you know, and obviously there's a lot of shooting that's going on. And it doesn't mean that there wasn't a show to be put on because Steph Curry put on a show with 16 threes and 51 points and lit it up. He knew our pod was happening this week. Remember, we he, we, we didn't do it last time he went off, so he did it for the All-Star game. And, of course, he did it in Cleveland, which is about uh, 25, 30 miles north of where he was born in Akron. Both LeBron and Steph are from Akron, and, of course, those were the two that got the biggest amount of praise and did the most in this All-Star game. Well, look at that um, shot that LeBron so, hit to win it. Yep. I mean, that was a crazy good shot. It was. It was. It was, it was classic Bron, too. It was back to the basket. Okay, Zach Levine, I'm going to back you down, and I'm going to fade away, and I'm going to hit a shot. And how many times has he done that in a Cavs uniform in that very same spot? <laughs> like... That was a, a great lot. shot. I mean, when I mean, and it's funny because you could tell that he did. LeBron wasn't having the best shooting night, but I don't know how dialed in he really was. But he definitely was, you know, at the end of the game. Oh yeah, no question, no question. So we'll put a wrap on All Star Weekend there, but it, very fun. Uh, it, just quick notes here. I think it was awesome. I was able to, you know, attend some events, as, as Brian was saying. Like I was. You know, blessed to have the opportunity to screen the newest HBO Max uh, show for the Lakers dynasty called Winning Time. Oh, wait so a second. You the- didn't tell me about this. I did. I went there. Oh. I was one of I was one of like, I don't know, 150 to 200 people that was able to take in the first episode. Oh. So I've seen the first episode. How is I it? I rolled up there. Now, listen. Oh, it was good. I, but my funny, the, the funniest thing about this is, though is I had my work clothes on, but I had no choice. I couldn't go back home and change. Again, my house is like 20 to 25 minutes away. So I had to show up to this place. I was the only dude in khakis. The only dude in khakis. Luckily, I had a really nice shirt on. But I rolled up to an HBO Max exclusive screening in dad pants. Well, it happens, you know. I mean... It was great. I once went to um, a, uh, a black tie event for covering something for college football and nobody told me it was a black tie event and I wore a brown suit and everybody else like had tuxes on. And Brian, let me tell you, man, this was like a wedding. Open bar. That's, that's very nice. Open bar or dessert or, or, uh, or what are they, what are the hell they call it? Uh, or d'oeuvres or whatever yeah. you call it. Like uh, whatever these tiny little plates are going around. There mm-hmm. was amazing braised short rib. There were these, gourmet chicken wings they were bringing around. Did you Man, have some uh, awesome. some uh, uh, bacon-wrapped scallops? 
I did not have any bacon rat scallops, but they did have some uh, really buttery sweet potatoes. They were so good. But this event, like, it was awesome, too, because after the screening, we had Questlove do, like, a private little DJ event for us. Uh, I felt very swanky. I'm not going to lie. That's I felt pretty very nice. swanky. Uh, I'm seeing a- actors and actresses around me. Uh, some of them, the stars of the show. I got to know, you know, Quincy Isaiah a little bit, who's playing Magic Johnson in the film, even though I know that Magic doesn't like what's going on uh, with this show from from what I've heard. Uh, it was really cool to kind of get to those, those guys. Maybe it's something that I remember, too, like, I knew these people when, or I, you know, was at this event when, uh, and, and, you know, those actors take off or something of the sort. John C. Riley was not there, unfortunately. And if he'd been there, I, I'd have probably gone pretty crazy because I love Talladega Nights and I love, you know, Step Brothers. Those are funny movies to me. I thought you were going to talk about Boogie Nights or something. No, no Boogie Nights. No Boogie Nights. Not that, that old. <laughs> what well, doesn't mean you can't watch it. Come on. That's very fair. Jeez. So you're around, but it was cool though. But you're around all the all the swanky parties, and you're around some of the different uh, your movers and shakers of the league. Because one of the big things about All Star Weekend is this is where the seeds get planted for what is going to happen potentially in an off season. Oh yeah, because it's always over a Jack and Coke or a nice vodka soda. You got the execs sitting down with each other, players chumming it up, all that good stuff. Everybody's like, "Did you hear about this?" Or "I know about this," or you know, rumors or truth or whatever it is. But there's a lot of things that are going around because, like I said, this is where you know the big off season plans really start leaking out a little bit more. More people are talking about them, or even some of the players are organizing a little bit more to get their thoughts about. Hey, what about this? What about that? You know, you could join me here. We could do this. So what were some of the uh, the juicy rumors making their way around the parties? Uh, it, it pretty much everything was centered around exactly what you want to talk about. So I think that's a pretty good segue. Um, th- there really was everything just kind of, I don't know, like the stuff with Zion was really hot at the moment especially with what C.J. McCollum had said on that Thursday prior. Um, You know, there was some stuff around Zach Levine, um, who, you know, is definitely making it known that he's going to be a free agent. Um, That's pretty much the biggest stuff that made its way around. You know, what's funny is the stuff that circulates around social media and stuff like that is what's circulating on the actual ground, too. Um, So... If if you want to transition into that, then sure. Um, but that yeah, there's there's nothing like crazy, uh, you know, talk going around. I, I know that there's a lot of people um, that are split <laughs> on the uh, All Star Game locations. <laughs> uh, if if that makes sense, or if that's any you know kind of scuttlebutt that uh, you're looking for, but I kind of get the feeling that it, the, the stuff that's going around on Twitter and Instagram or whatever like that, that's the stuff that mostly uh, where it comes from. You know, someone hears a nugget from there and then boom, you start seeing these, you know, articles being written. I think Howard Beck put one out a couple of days ago about player autonomy and whatnot. And that's uh, an, a conversation I would like to get into. Uh, but I know the the first thing, the first thing everybody's talking about is, 
LeBron talking about not closing the door to coming back to Cleveland and praising Sam Presti, you know, Kobe Altman. He even praised the, uh, the, the Rams general manager. So it's pretty funny how passive aggressive LeBron can show up this way with his tiny little grin. And you just know he knows what he's doing. And, um, when you're not a part of the team covering it, it actually is quite entertaining. Yeah, I mean, basically, LeBron is putting his foot down on the Lakers and saying, oh, you guys didn't want to make a move at the trade deadline. You didn't want to do the things that I wanted you to do. Now, mind you, there's two sides to everything, and we know that the Lakers were uh, hamstrung on what they could do at the trade deadline. There was very little that they could do, and even moves that they could make, we don't think they would probably make a difference in this year's team, but there was a lot of scuttlebutt about LeBron wanting something to be done. And uh, the Lakers GM, Rob Polinka did not do anything. And then afterwards he said, Hey, we were all in agreement, me and LeBron and AD. And there wasn't a trade out there that was worth doing. And that's not something that LeBron agrees with, but um, yeah, he definitely was stirring the pot you know, throwing things out there and praising all these other GMs and talking about the doors not closed and a possible return to the Cavs. And he's just trying to put as much pressure on the Lakers to, you know, do what he wants in reshaping the team. And mind you, they already did that this past offseason. Now, it doesn't mean that Polinka had to do it, but uh, it was LeBron that is the one that really pushed for you know, Russell Westbrook to be a part of that team and Polinka signed off on it and he had other deals that he could have done and did not do them. So now we're in the spot that we are now where LeBron is doing his thing. And um, I think we're getting ready for a possible standoff in the off season between the Lakers front office and LeBron James. And that's the case. And, and wouldn't you believe it, man, already Nikai's Duncan's hit on it. He already put out one of those hypothetical articles he loves to do. Um, even though he hates, he hates, he's like me. He hates the trade rumors. He hates, you know, rumor mill stuff. But he got to thinking, why not, you know, even, you know, just consider the possibility. So on basketballnews.com right now, actually, is a what will LeBron James trade look like article. So make sure you check that out. And this is where it's difficult to pick it up because it's sick. You know, he's 37 years old. And he's still LeBron James. Like, you can see by his numbers this year that he's still doing these amazing things. The Lakers would not be afloat if it was not for this man. And he's still the king. But how do you gauge that if you're a team that wants to go after him? You have to not be able to sacrifice your your future. Uh, but it's just that, like, in the next three, four years, when do you see this, you know, panning out? So, I, team-wise, I don't know who works. Um, I don't know if Los Angeles would even consider it. <laughs> but I think it's interesting. You know, he mentions the Bronny thing, um, which, you know, this is an interesting conversation. I was having with some people on the ground this, this weekend. What if you're a team that wants LeBron so badly that you reach for Bronny <laughs> in the draft? Like somebody that, you know, he say he has second round value or like mid to second rate round value uh, as a pick or that's where he's projected to go. Not to say that that's his value, but like just this is hypothetical and you're the Kings with the 13th overall pick. Are you drafting Bronny there 
knowing that LeBron wants to play with Bronny? What what level does it reach to where a team is going to be like, okay, yeah, we'll take that gamble. And then LeBron just tries to get his way there. Like, it's so interesting to me. I, I don't know. What What's your opinion on that? Because we, we've had that discussion, and I don't know if it's that far-fetched. <laughs> I don't think it is. And and I, I know LeBron had said at that point, if he gets to play with his son, it's not about money. So would he really play for a minimum deal? And on top of that, would that be his final season? Or are we talking about two years? You know, and so there's there's multiple things that play into this. You know, when it comes to him playing with Bronny and how that's all going to, you know, fuel itself out. And remember, Bronny can't be, you know, drafted until 2024. And we'll see exactly where his game is at that point and, you know, what his value is. And, hey, if you can get LeBron James, of course you're going to, you know, take Bronny higher than you would expect because it's kind of a package deal and who's going to pass that up. And, and on top of that, what's LeBron's game going to look like at that point? You know, hopefully he doesn't have any injuries. You know, for the most part, he's been able to stay healthy. We've seen some dings on him the last couple of years, but he's he takes care of his body like nobody's business, and he invests in his body. So, you know, I think that that plays into everything. And in the meantime, when it comes to what's going to happen with the Lakers, remember, LeBron has one year left on his Laker deal. He's eligible for a two-year extension in August. Free agency is going to start in July. So you would think the Lakers would like to pretty much know how they feel about LeBron in going forward with the team um, before free agency begins and make sure they're all on the same page and everybody's copacetic because there are problems right now. And Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Lakers, is so tight with Rob Palenka and Kurt and Linda Rambis they're safe. They're not going anywhere. For anybody that sits there and goes, hey, why do they have Kurt Rambis around? Why do they have Polinka around? You know, they're not good at their job. Why don't they go out there and get a better GM and all these different things? That's just not going to happen. She's loyal to them. So it, it could come down to, you know, are you okay with staying with your management team? Or are you going to stay with LeBron? Because if they find out that they can't exist, the dominoes that can fall from that. And typically you're going to go with the player, especially a star player. But in this case, considering the stage of his career that he's at, would the Lakers really say, we'll risk losing LeBron. We'll let him walk. We'll trade him, whatever, because we want to stay with the people that we have running the ship. Maybe, maybe. And then where do you go from there? You have it here, like, if LeBron walked, would AD ask out? Like, would the entire, you know, building collapse? <laughs> like, is that is that exactly how it would roll? What would happen um, with the relationship with Clutch? And then you'd think about this, like, they don't, they don't have any assets. They, they have, like, a very minimal amount of young talent. They would if they <laughs> like, traded LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but it's all, you know, picks and whatnot. Yeah. But, but the other thing is, too, is... The reputation that they would, you know, would take a hit. I mean, it's still a glamour franchise. It's still the Los Angeles Lakers. It's still a team with, you know, the most championships in NBA history along with the Celtics. And it's, you know, located in Los Angeles. So there's all those different things. But at what point do athletes look at this and say, okay, I get the glitz and the glamour and there's going to be some people that still want to go there. But is this the Lakers that we've known in the past? 
like other other places I'd rather go to because if they feel like ownership management is incompetent, then is that something I want to be a part of? Basically, you don't want them to turn into the Knicks. Right. That is the problem. And like I said, there's going to be a lot that they're going to have to figure out early on, you know, after the season ends about, because LeBron could do this because he has the one year left. I don't think it would get so bad that LeBron would immediately leave. I think what he would do is say, I'll do the two-year extension, but I'm getting an opt-out after the first year because then that gives him two years with the Lakers and then Bronny comes out. And at that point, he could opt out and go wherever. But he has to, I think that LeBron has to feel like, hey, you guys are going to do what it's going to take to you know, make this team better. And, and it's not just the Westbrook problem when it comes to we all we went all in and we tried to get this one guy. That's that's an everybody problem. I think some of this too has to be the amount of money that they're willing to spend because they went so cheap and didn't re-sign Alex Caruso. And they did there's some other things that maybe they could have done, but that's part of it is that the Lakers are watching their bottom line when they have income sources that most teams do not have. Now I understand they're not owned by billionaires, but at the same time, they're bringing in as much or more money than any other franchise in the NBA. They can afford it. You know, just off their TV deal alone, there's different things they can do. But, you know, they're still kind of nickel and diming it to some extent there. And if that's the route that you're going to go and you're not going to go all in and, and pay the extra like some other franchises will, then that's going to make it even tougher. It will. It will. All right, I have a subject I want to get to because I know you're passionate about that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just heard a, I just heard enough of it, you know, for for three days. That, that's all that it is. I mean, was. this is where we're <laughs> at with it, and we'll know more come the end of the season. I mean, and well, I mean, one other little side note on this. Now you've got Rich Paul contacting Stephen A. Going, we never asked for you know a Westbrook John Wall trade. I'm, uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. Okay. 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 Sure. Uh huh. You know, so, I mean, there, there's going to be little side stories that come out of this. And, and you know, the Lakers are kind of, they've kind of put their, you know, a line in the sand and said, this is the team you guys wanted, so make it work. And meanwhile, yeah. LeBron's in there going, this ain't working. What are you going to do to fix it? And, you know, these are the days of our lives. <laughs> All right, before we get to my subject, real quick, just to pause in the action, I want to thank two of the people, two of the companies that are helping out basketballnews.com. One, looking to go to the hottest concerts, sports, theater, and family shows near you. Get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Ticket Smarter, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Order online now. And again, we don't have any games happening here on Tuesday night, so uh, we'll have to wait. Till next week, till we make our picks. But all users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on prize picks will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to 100 bucks. So make sure you sign up at the link prizepicks.com. All right. Lay it on me right now, Brian. Tell me what was said here. JJ Reddick, former teammate of Zion Williamson, just two years ago, two years ago that he was at this team and was a part of, you know, rookie season Zion. Um, all the you know fun and highlights that came around that went in on him uh, on Tuesday morning. And I want to hear 
what JJ Reddick had to say. And then I want to get into the discourse surrounding this because it's been driving me nuts. I've I, I've already kind of broached this subject, honestly, uh, last year on how we knew Zion was next, not the, the next of dis- disenfranchised uh, stars to ask out, right? Uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell's been another one that's been in that, you know, kind of rumor mail before, but he kind of put the kibosh on that with a, a Chris Haynes article last week. But Zion, specifically with the Pelicans, I want to I want to know, Brian, lay it on me. What did J.J. Redick had to say about this? And then we will react to this because I have to talk about it. So J.J. went on first take and he was talking about how C.J. McCullough has, you know, traded to the Hornets um, and how Zion has not reached out to C.J. And J.J. said, what is going on here? You're supposed to be a, a big member of this team. How do you not reach out to this guy who's one of the 50 best players in the league? And more importantly, he's one of your new teammates and a guy that they're expecting to be um, a foundational player along with you going forward in you know making this team good. And JJ would talk about like, hey, whenever new players joined the team, I would reach out to them all the time. He goes, I would be active in helping the team when it came to the buyout market and trying to reach out to players and tell them about the franchise and why they should come here. And he goes, Zion isn't doing any of that. He said that, you know, when he was there, and by the way, I said Hornets, I mean Pelicans. Um, But when, you know, when JJ was there, that Zion was very standoffish. He was very isolationist and he was not a, an outgoing guy there. And he basically called him out and said, he's a bad teammate. He's not helping his franchise. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he says, it's gotten to the point that it's so bad there that the Pelicans put out some uh, stuff to their season ticket holders. And he always put some of your best players on that. You feature your players on these different things you send out to season ticket holders and Zion was not a part of it. They did not even list Zion on there. And he is, says he's a, a bad teammate. And he's not helping this franchise and basically has a wandering eye. Okay. So I want to approach this where I'm not white knighting for the players and I'm not white knighting for the franchises. But this is just, this is getting to another level of Something needs to be done in the in the CBA. And it's not something where it's an easy solution. You can't control, you know, what people want and what franchises want. So you know what? Find a way to where you can punish both the players and the teams, okay, for not honoring contracts. It should be a two-way, uh, you know, kind of common ground that you have to be able to find so that, you're not having guys play for teams for two years at max, especially after they're drafted. So I'm looking at this like, like Zion, I, I hate how people treat him. I don't like that they're already you know nominating him the next Greg Oden. I hate that he's had these injuries that have been attached to him. And I understand why he would be frustrated with that part. But I don't think this is a Pelicans problem. I don't think that it's fair to blame an organization that you've had crappy injury luck and then to not respond to to a brand new teammate who, by the way, is a fringe all-star that's reaching out to you and you're going to not respond? Like, I I, I get it. I, I get you're frustrated. I get that you're not happy with your organization. But come on, man, a text message? You can't send a text. 
That ain't right. CJ's trying to be a good teammate right off the bat, and this dude leaves him on read. That doesn't sit right with me, and JJ's completely right. And the thing is, people are like, oh, well, you're taking the uh, franchise's side. JJ played for the damn franchise. He was a teammate of Zion's, and he's like, this is garbage. Come on, man. And so this has now kind of escalated and advanced into an argument of, okay, we're back at this square one. Should we abolish the freaking draft? Okay. Yeah, let's do that. That way, everybody's going to try and flock to one of the four markets that are glamour franchises. Like, that's not going to work, guys. It's not going to work like that. Restricted free agency was an interesting one, I think, that you could talk about. But there will be nobody going to any of these areas that aren't in primary living locations, uh, might not be the best franchises in the first place. And how can you fix bad franchises if they can only acquire a certain level of talent? Like, the Kings lucked into Tyrese Halbert, and they got rid of him. I get that. But, like, this is is a two-way issue. I'm not white-knighting for either side. I'm saying both sides need to get their crap together. I know the loyalty thing is gone and out, out of the window now. There's only a select few that still follow that model. And you're looking at Damian Lillard, he still hasn't won jack squat. So I get it. I get why the players want to go to winning situations. And I get it from the team side too. You look at the Isaiah Thomas scenario that we bring up over and over again with the Celtics. Perfect example of how a franchise can turn its back. You look at how the Raptors traded away DeMar DeRozan before the season they won the title. Perfect example. But just because there's franchises that are crappy doesn't mean you can't criticize players that are crappy too about these situations. James Harden, prime example number one. Zion Williamson, soon to be prime example number two. So that's my rant. I I think that there is a way where you can punish both sides for not honoring a certain amount of a contract. Because these things are holding the league together. If there's no draft, if there's no semblance of parity or a spread out of the best talents of the world, how do you continue as a league? There will literally be eight good teams. That's not how this is supposed to work. It's supposed to be competitive every single night, the way it has been this year, by the way. So I don't get where you get abolishing the draft is a good idea. I think that's that's a terrible idea, in my opinion. And yeah, you should be able to, to say where you go when you work and whatnot. But when you enter the NBA, this is what you choose to do. So you have to follow along with those parameters. You have to and then revisit it, it down the line. Yeah, you have to at least try. You have to give it a go. And I get it that sometimes you get put in a franchise, you get drafted by a franchise, or maybe you're not going to be happy. But you know what? It's a privilege to be in the NBA. It's a privilege to be a part of that. There's only 30 teams. There's only so many players that get to be a part of the NBA. And when free agency comes and it's your time and you choose to go that route, then you want to pick your team and you have options, then that's great. You exercise that. But in the meantime, before then, yes, you should try. You should care. You should give a damn about the 
organization that you're with and not you're setting yourself for a bad example, but it's not fair to the organization and its fans in the meantime. I'm not exactly Look at Ben sh- Simmons. Like dude, that, that's where I want to go too because one year right, of his th- contract. This is part of the problem. And we've and like that is one of the biggest ways that we've seen this issue come up when it comes to I I get it and I'm glad that players do have the power that they do or have more power. There's but, a middle ground here. Like, but yeah, exactly. That's the thing. They, they think it's gone too far. I think it's in some ways it's swung too far. And I'm all, I'm all typically going to be on the player side, but there needs to be a more happy medium. And I'm a little bit disappointed that Adam silver has not done more, especially when it came to the, the Simmons situation, because that's hurting that franchise that they have a star player that they've invested X amount of money. in, especially because he's on a max deal now, and they have championship aspirations. In the meantime, he's sitting there on the sideline. And I get it. You're punishing the player from the standpoint that he's not getting paid. But something more needs to get done on that front. Now, I'm not sure what it is, but something needs to happen there. And then on the other side, something needs to happen when it comes to somebody that's basically shutting it down and saying, again, forcing his way to a trade and to a team he wants. It's not like I just want out of here. It's I want to hear and I want to go specifically here. Like no one's gonna. There's this this subject is just makes me so upset because there are there are thirty teams <laughs> there are thirty teams in the league, and it seems like all of these small market teams end up getting the the short end of the stick for no reason. Like if Zion ends up asking out and wanting to go to the Knicks, then you just know it's not about basketball. Like. I think that's that, the case that's too. The, I think everybody's felt that way, and I don't think that's a joke. And and I think that the Pelicans are really getting to a point where they are going to talk to themselves. They're doing that that right now, and that's going to continue into the offseason. Going at what point do we sit there and say, as talented as this guy is, and as good as we think he can be, if and when he's healthy, and that could be some of the questions too. Is he really trying hard to be? in the shape and and give himself the best chance to be the best player he can right now, because he's part of that organization. Is it that we ride this out with him or is it better to cut bait now, get what we can and just let him walk? Cause he does not want to be here. And, and hell man, like again, new Orleans isn't like completely faultless, but they're trying. They went out and got CJ McCollum. They drafted Herb Jones. They signed Devonte Graham acquired J- Jonas Valanciunas. Like they're trying they're not even doing that bad. Well, here's like, a, one that's the, what's funny. One of the like, other things too is like when it comes to Zion, like, yes, he can, like they're going to offer him a max extension and he can turn it down. He can play out this contract, his rookie contract. And it's going to, and nobody has turned down that rookie max. Like when that, when the team offers that, you take it. And then if you want to get traded, you know, a couple of years into it or whatever, then, you know, you try to make that happen. But, Team, or people don't turn it down, but there's been this question mark that despite all of the injuries and all of the issues and everything with Zion, would he be the first guy to do it? Because even though he's had all these issues and everything, there, there could be teams, especially a team like the Knicks, that could be falling over themselves to offer them the max regardless of what has happened so far in his career. Yeah. I mean, it's because like in the 85 games he has played, he's been really damn good. Yes. So that's also another, you know, contention point. But like, if I'm the Pelicans, though, just, 
I, if I'm the Pelicans, I really have to sit there and go, you know what? Injuries suck. And I'm not saying that this guy, he's not injured. But at the same time, has he put himself in the best position to not be injured from a standpoint of conditioning and weight and, and different things like that? And is he really invested in this franchise? And you might have to sit there and go, we thought this guy was going to be a huge part of our franchise going forward. But if these problems are going to persist, what do you, what, what will you give them? Give us for them? Like they, yeah. they might have to literally have to put the feelers it. out there, especially to a team like the Knicks and say, what will you give us? Yeah, no. And you have to consider that. Like I, again, I hate the, the taking sides thing and I know it's not, a one-pronged issue, and, and there's fault each side. And I implore anybody that's listening to hear the double, the, the the both perspectives that I just mentioned. But like, it's just tiring because it's it's it. Ha- you just see these things come up so often, and we just got past the trade deadline, and already we're back into this freaking gossip garbage that has nothing to do with basketball. It's about marketing. And trying to get out and get to a, a franchise that's in a big market. Ooh. Like, and I didn't think Zion would be someone like that. So that's what's, that makes me disappointing. Um, if that's how he feels. Remember, these are all reports. But uh, I think also hearing it from CJ himself that he didn't answer gives you a pretty good idea of where he's at at this yeah. point. And I'm not exactly sure what Adam Silver can do, but I would like to think there's got to be some mechanism that he can do something. Maybe you take away, like like if a franchise goes and turns you around after an extension after, I don't know, like one year or something like that, like they lose draft picks. Sure. Or they get penalized by uh, the salary cap or, you know, something like that. They, lo- they, you know, luxury tax implications. Who knows? Right. And for the player, it's an incentive baked into his contract. Uh, that if he does honor it this way or whatever, then you get a bonus or something like that, which but how, it sucks that you would have to go that route yeah. for the player to be loyal, but it would also probably help. It probably would. And like I said, I don't know what Adam Silver can do right now. And this is these are things that would have to be negotiated in the new CBA. And we're not that far away from where there could be a negotiation for a new CBA. So, um, I mean, because there's other tweaks that we don't have to get into, but I think can and probably should happen when it comes to the salary cap and whatnot. But these are issues that are going to have to be dealt with as well when it comes to what they're going to collectively bargain. All right, Brian, let's let's tie a bow on things here. We have basically a uh, third of the season left to go, even though it's after the All-Star break. Technically, it's called the second half, but there's a third of the season left. What are we looking out for here? What are we paying attention to? I think a couple of news nuggets that we have to mention are that Goran Dragic was signed by the Nets. So that's a pretty big big deal, especially after he's, you know, bought out. You have Chris Paul who what a news dump this was right before the All-Star game. We find out that he's out 6 to 8 weeks with a thumb injury. And why was and he even playing are, in the All-Star game? Who why they put him in Why that not? Game? He was playing he was playing all left-handed. You actually kind of like that. It, it, it was cool. He honored it. You know his people wanted to come to see him, so good for him. <laughs> uh but he's out 6 to 8 weeks. Um we have the Celtics who are absolutely crushing it on a run right now. Uh the the East is going to be highly contended for Especially we have, you know, the debuts of James Harden we're waiting for. We have the debuts of Ben Simmons we're waiting for with their new teams. 
So uh, what do you what are you looking out for? What are you paying attention to? Let me give you the two things that I that I really want to watch here. Number one is Harden's fit with Joel Embiid. Are we going to see a James Harden that is committed, that gets in better shape, that is willing to sacrifice on the court and play to uh, what Embiid's strengths are to keep him going because he's on an MVP-like uh, season? And how are those two going to mesh together on the court to where Philadelphia can truly be a contender for an NBA championship this season? I want to see how that marriage works out. The other thing that I really want to watch, and I'm gonna, you're going to love where I go with this one, because it is going to be about the Lakers. And here's the reason why. The Lakers right now are currently the ninth seed in the West. They're in the ninth spot. Uh, they're two, game, two and a half games up on Portland, and they are four and a half games up on the Spurs and the Pelicans. They're going to be without Anthony Davis for at least the next month. He's probably not going to be back until April because of a sprained ankle. So let's see what this Laker team can do because I'm telling you right now, without AD and with all the problems that they've had, and if it continues, and if they go on a losing streak, if they lose, they come out of the gate here and say they lose six of eight or something like that, and uh, the teams below them are starting to get a little hot, even if they're not, um, I do wonder what this team does mentally. Do they shut it down? And... Does LeBron's knee start feeling a little wonky? And is it a little sore to where maybe he won't be out on the court as much as well? Maybe. Which is something that he's already kind of thrown out there a little bit. Spooky. Because remember when, here, not to go all the way back to that Laker conversation, but remember too, when you're doing things that LeBron likes and you're playing well, then you get totally invested LeBron as well. Which is huge. Which yes. is good for a sprint to the postseason. A but he, he's also saying the right things in that, hey, if we get in there and we start, you know, coming together a little bit and we get healthy, then that's all we want is that chance. We just want to get in and we'll see what we can do. So we'll see exactly where this goes because this could shape a lot of different things coming up. Not not just for this season, obviously, but more importantly, the off season and you know, the next season to come. Sure. Uh, just a couple storylines I have my eye on. Uh, I want to see, we haven't mentioned that much on this podcast, like literally since the season started, but I want to see what the Nuggets do. I want to see if Jamal Murray comes back. I want to see if uh, Michael Porter Jr. can, you know, get past this this back issue that's been really plaguing him all year. Because uh, we're not paying attention enough to Nicole Jokic. Um, I think that these guys have just kind of quietly flown under the radar. Uh, they ended their first half of the season with a win at Golden State, get, get game winner from dump from Monte Morris. Um, you know, I, I think that the pickup of Bryn Forbes is good. He's somebody that can score in bunches. You have a veteran like Jeff Green who's been big. Aaron Gordon, I think, has done a solid job of kind of stepping up as that uh, number two to Jokic this year while Murray and Michael Porter have been out. Uh, so I, I've got, you know, I'm kind of my eye on them. I want to see uh, if those guys can get back and if they can get, you know, reps up that they're adding, you know, to um, nearly all star caliber players to their roster, basically. 
Um, so I want to see what happens with with the Nuggets. Um, I'm, there's a lot of teams in the West that I'm intrigued about, really. Um, but the Nuggets are one of them. I want to see if Memphis can continue doing what they're doing. Is there a chance that with Phoenix uh, losing Chris Paul, that Phoenix, they're up six and a half on the Warriors right now for the first seed. But it's between Golden State and Memphis who could still t- chase them down, I think. Um, it, it, it'll it take a lot, don't get me wrong, because, you know, only 20, 25 games left, whatever it is. But I think that's intriguing. Um, you know, they got to make up eight games to chase down that number one seed. Could they do that with no Chris Paul? I don't probably think so. But um, Memphis just continuing on the, the role that they've been on. And then the jumbled up East in general. Uh, who are the t- who are gonna be the top ten? Who's gonna make it out of this? Uh, that I think is the most intriguing part uh, of what's happening here in the the last third of the season. And um, player wise, I got my eye on Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green's really started to come into his own a little bit here over the last week or two going into the break. I think it's an opportunity for him to really step up. I think Dennis Schroeder's done, uh, you know, a solid job uh, of of setting him up and, and allowing Jalen to be Jalen a little. Um, I know Kevin Porter hasn't been playing because he he was hurt, but um, I want to see more Jalen and Schroeder lineups just to see those two work together. Maybe see him staggered a little bit with Kevin Porter running the show with a different unit. Uh, maybe possibly next to Jacob, uh, but we'll see with that. Uh, I know it's random to mention Houston, who's you know one of the bottom three teams in the league, but uh, I got my eye on that. I want to see how the Wizards look with Kristaps Porzingis. That's another one we haven't seen yet uh, make his debut. Um, you know, there's there's a stretch run coming up here, and I think we're all excited to see it happen. But that's pretty much all I had on my end, unless you had anything else, Brian. I think we're good to uh, end it there. I mean, we've talked about it so many different times, but that race in the East where the top seven seeds are separated by just five games. I mean, this should be incredible down the stretch. And you've got the top five teams are only separated by two and a half. I mean, this this could get wild to see where everybody is going to end up uh, going into the uh, the playoffs. Yes, agreed. And uh, quick apology if I sign, sound nasally at all of the last uh, 15 minutes of this podcast. It's because I had a nosebleed in the middle of it. So... Um, maybe it'll give you some entertainment to hear me sound like I'm like pinching my nose, but it just is what it is. Don't tell Spencer he's not passionate about the NBA. Yeah, I caused myself a nosebleed when I was having that rant on Zion. How about that? But uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Keep It at 94. Don't forget, guys, basketballnews.com, podcast network, other great ones for you to listen to. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Stephen Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy, the rematch with Aton Thomas, Dishes and Dimes with the ladies, and of course, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. Like, rate, comment, subscribe, review, rate again. I think it was like Dodge, Duck, Dip, Dive, and Dodge. I just said that, but do that. <laughs> and do that for our podcast too, please. Uh, really get this thing going. Leave us some comments. Give us some momentum heading into the last third of the season. We'd really, really appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies, same thing on Instagram, at Spin Davies. You can find Brian on Twitter, at Brian Fritz. You can find him on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Once again, make sure you subscribe to Keep It at 94 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to them. And check out basketballnews.com. All of our great articles, features, interviews, and uh, visit our YouTube page. 
I was able to take some videos of some retired players uh, in the NBA 75 team. So uh, check that out on your YouTube channel. Rick Barry really went off on moving screens. You're going to want to watch that. Elvin Hayes, really good comparisons. And uh, talking about the differences of the game when he's watching uh, Houston games down there. Uh, you know, I had an exclusive interview with Luke Kennard that I'll be writing up here shortly, but that'll be up on our YouTube as well. Uh, so make sure you go check that out. And again, basketballnews.com. This is powered by Ticket Smarter and Prize Picks. Until next time, keep it 94, signing out. See you.